Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, the show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, Your Best Friend, Joined by my co-host, the crappy hippie. Hi, crappy hippie. I am doing all right, although I'm experiencing a little bit of your weather. We are in crazy weatherland here in the central Midwest, and this storm evolved from oh, a couple inches of snow. We have eight inches of snow out there, and it's still coming down. And I know you're sitting up there in the White Mountains going, oh, cry big tears. You know, we got, we're getting 24 inches or whatever you're about to get. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, it is cry big tears because we, Kansas never get entirely ready for this stuff. I mean, some of us, you know, and then you have the snow blower and you haven't used it in two winters. So you go out to try, you know, start it and it's, it won't go or whatever. It's just, it's F- tough. You know, fun you, fact really about a- snow removal tools, Sean, is they only break down when it's snowing. Because you only ever test them when it's snowing. My plow broke during last weekend's storm, so I spent two hours on my back in the snow trying to fix my snow my snow plow. So I, I feel your pain. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I pre- I appreciate that because I, I, I am. Uh, if cuss words were fuel, this house would be at eighty degrees. Or that's it. Well, it does warm you up quite a bit when you get angry. That warmth is going to be driving you to fix things. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about snow, John. We've got a really no. kind of cool show tonight, and I'm so excited about it. Me too, me too, me too, man. Right. So, of course, we got fish in the news because that's a standard. We're going to open with that today. But then, this is really cool. Uh, John, a few, uh, maybe a couple months ago, you brought us a story of Caden and Chad uh, Hootmacher who have gone on a fishing quest. They went on a quest to catch all the, I'm not sure how they describe it, all the... Catchable. Catchable. And that's not all catchable because they're going with record-holding fish, fish that can be... Yeah, in the record books. Yeah, that's right. So that's it's not right. all catchable. They're not doing all the rough fish that that I did on my quest. But uh, we said that we were going to follow up with them and get them on the show. And you did the work, and you got hold of them, and they came on the show. So they'll be on today's show talking about their epic angling quest in Minnesota. True nerds, too. What an interview! It was fantastic. They are our kind of people, that's for sure. Right. So we're not going to spoil it right now. Let's jump in with fish in the news, and then we'll bring you. The epic angling quest. Well, can I? Can we do a couple of things right before fishing the news? Oh, I forgot there was more. Some personal news. Some personal news. There is news, more, man. John. You are correct. I I, I want to talk about greening of the whites, or you want to talk about it, but somebody's got to talk about it. I should talk about it. There's a TV show in out of Boston called Outdoor Explore New England. It's on a cable channel called NECN. And last spring, in the heat of the foraging season for early spring foraging. We got a phone call from them uh, asking for me and my kid Zoe, who's now 16, to teach them how to forage for ramps and fiddleheads in the White Mountains. And we, of course, said yes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And the reason that they found us is because they had gone out fishing with, um, with North Country Angler, Steve Angers from North Country Angler on a little trout expedition, and he said, oh, you want some foragers? I know just the people. So he kind of connected us with them, and that episode aired on Christmas Eve and then aired like four times a day for the last two weeks. I've been getting phone calls from all kinds of people saying, Clay, I was turning the TV on, and I just saw you and your kid foraging. And I thought, wow, that's cool. 
it is cool. And I'll tell you, I, I've watched it a couple of times and it's wonderful. Steve is wonderful. And another shout out to Steve. He's a great friend of the pod, a great friend of yours and a great friend of uh, environmentally uh, responsible fishing and so on. I loved it. I loved it. This is not something that you're going to be, uh, I don't know, bored with or anything. It, it's, it's so much fun. And I learned, I learned the whole thing. I'm going to want to give it away. I want you all to watch it, but Clay has some interesting advice on how to forage responsibly. And then, uh, you know, uh, he has a couple of tricks up his sleeve to, to, uh, get the host into it. And, uh, it was really, really fun segment. Steve's segment on the trout fishing. Well, and the first guy on the hiking too was, was wonderful, wonderful. Um, but, but then, uh, see, and Zoe, Zoe, you can tell she's been around media all her little life because well, little, she's no little now she's a young lady now, but, She's been been into it since she was little because she was so uncomfortable in front of that camera and just just took the uh, carriage by the reins, you know, and and drove it right around. It was really really good. Yeah, I forgot how funny Zoe was too. By the way, <laughs> she has yeah, a couple she, little zingers in there. So gotta watch it. I don't want to spoil any of it, but we're foraging for ramps and fiddleheads. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get people a chance to look at it and we revisit it before we spoil it because there's a lot I want to talk about with what was left out because you record for hours. And yes. it's like a five-minute segment that we're on. And we're like, oh, they forgot this and that. But I don't think most watchers will miss it. I miss it because I like I, I gave you so much content. But that's my <laughs> ego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of the first things you learn when you do any of this is, is some of it's got to go. Yep, you gotta, you got to be willing to edit. That's your friend. All right, John. But that's cool. The link will be in the show notes for the, this week's episode. So you can go on YouTube and you can watch it. And then we'll talk about it again in upcoming episodes. So you'll get the... I don't want to spoil it, so that's why we're not talking too deeply about it. Well, that's just it. And as far as glass water in the new year, I just had a couple of things I wanted to say about our <clears throat> sponsor, Glass Water Angling, Lead Free Fishing. Well, my big company resolutions this year will be to, you know, get me some more mentors in advertising and public relations and uh, also look into some more some funding options uh, because the company is starting to grow to a point where it's going to get beyond what I can manage uh, by myself. Actually, it's kind of gone beyond that point, but financing the helper um, to get us going. And once I have in, a helper and have increased output, I've, did I say output? Output. I got to put out more. Output is the French way of saying output. Um, but uh, you know, once I do have somebody helping me, then we're going to have a lot more output and I've got to be able to sell it and I need to improve my advertising skills and so forth. So that real quick is what's going on with glass water. We've got some new products as always we add every year, but I don't want to run that list down. I am ready. Well, give us the website on. so people can go look. Oh yeah. You know, glasswaterangling.com. And if you ever want to get a hold of me, it's crappie hippie at glasswaterangling.com or information at glasswaterangling.com. That's the website, uh, email that you can link off the website, but, uh, yeah, check in, you know, every now and then, because I, I had a huge order with the, uh, Wisconsin DNR. They picked us to do be their primary company for their angler outreach programs this year. And, uh, so they've bought a whole bunch of stuff and I'm still working on it. And I'll tell you a real quick connection. The reason I got that account is because I donated a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff to the Kansas department of, um, wildlife and parks. They were hosting the the uh, this convention uh, for people in the you know, the biologists and the people in the DNRs and so forth. Anyway, they had a big convention last year in Overland Park, which is where the Fish Nerd Librarian Jeff Donaldson lives. It's about forty minutes from my house. 
Um, anyway, I donated. They asked me if I donate some stuff for their raffle. So I donated a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff. And this lady, Teresa Stabo, who is in charge of the angler outreach program in Wisconsin, was at the convention. Love the look of my stuff, love the whole concept, and she is a big supporter of lead free fishing. And she gave me a call, and so we're off and running, and it's really exciting. But, um, you know, thank you to KDWP and thank you to Wisconsin DNR. Uh, we're all getting together on this and uh, helping each other out in ways known and unknown. So, awesome, stay tuned for more developments. But awesome, right now, we got to get on with some fish in the news. I think, well, I love fish in the news. Who doesn't? All right, John, you, you brought the news. Why don't you give it a lead? News, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. Okay, now, this first one I'm bringing up just because it is a topic that we've gone over a number of times on the Fish Nerds Facebook group. Please join if you are so inclined. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun people in there. And uh, we're back to having a lot more content. Like I say, if, you know, we, we've had some weirdos, you know, get in and on. I think everybody suffers from that problem. So Right. So the weirdos mean I need to approve a post before it gets yeah. up. And once you start posting I, on there, I, I pre-approve you from there. But, yeah, we've yeah, had some yeah, people. Yeah, we'll pre-approve you from there. We'll John, I've gotten you. about 3,000 uh, different posts about different celebrity deaths that are fake. And I don't know. Someone must make money on these. I'm doing this. But. It's amazing. I, I don't really know. It's I don't amazing. really know. I know there was one X-rated one that was so dirty, I almost couldn't look at it. Well, that was my, my happy one. That was the best of all of them. So <laughs> well, I, I almost couldn't look at it. I almost couldn't look at it twice. I, I um, only looked but, at it 18 times. So but anyway, John, let's get, get into the, the news. The highly Come confessional on. clay. Yeah, but that's not, why we're having to pre-approve people. But we'll look at you and make sure you're legit. And then we'll give you a, yeah, you'll yeah. get a permanent pre-approval and you can just start posting away. But mm -hmm. anyway, this story is about walleye getting spread around. And it was, you know, there was a time where everybody wanted walleye everywhere, just like everybody wanted, you know, black bass everywhere, or what a lot of people call small and large mouth bass. Um, but uh, the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources, this is brought to us by KSL.com TV and radio. Um, the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources uh, said on the 21st of December, that an angler fishing at Strawberry Reservoir caught something he wasn't expecting as he was going for cutthroat trout, rainbow trout, and kokanee salmon. Uh, he caught a walleye. And uh, they do have walleye in some of the reservoirs there, but not supposed to be in Strawberry Reservoir. So Alan Ward, the division's fisheries biologist, says the agency is very concerned about this because introducing species could easily disrupt efforts to manage those species and, you know, we all know the story. Um, 90, and, and his position here is that 98% of anglers have provided feedback that they want Strawberry Reservoir to be a trout and salmon lake. And, and that's what they want. And see, what you're making a decision for a whole bunch of other people when you pull a stunt like this. This is not cool to say, oh, I don't want to drive all the way up to Deer Creek Reservoir. I'd rather just stock walleye in the one next door to me and, and, and let everybody else go hang. Well, that's not very nice, and that's no. not a very uh, good way to get along with people. No, but you can uh, but understand the, the, why someone might want that. But, it, again, you're right about John. It's not okay. And in most states, it's very illegal to move fish from one body of water to the other. Yes, it is, and it, and it should be. And, um, you know, it can happen. Like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm old, Clay. I was back when I was a kid back in the 70s, a teenager back in the 70s. I was one of those people that wanted Smallmouth bass everywhere. Why doesn't Kansas have smallmouth bass? Smallmouth bass. You know, I wanted everything everywhere. But 
we got into a great conversation on the Fish Nerds Facebook group about people wanting to introduce walleye to New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And they remind me of these anglers here in Utah. They're like, no, 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 well, no. Interestingly, no, no, no. walleye are in New Hampshire. They're in the Connecticut and the Merrimack River. Um, I've caught in both those rivers. And right now, the debate for the last like five or ten years has been in the Connecticut River, there's a series of dams. And they're only walleye are below a certain point on the river and past that northern point point. And that river, by the way, is huge. It's not like a little trickle. It's a major yes, riv- river. Um, yes. And these are running huge electric power electric dams, hydroelectric dams. And the debate has been for years, do we move the walleye higher up the river? And my guess is people have already put them up there, even though the fishing game have said no to it. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of the trout anglers get really upset about that. Incidentally, a lot of the trout they're going after also introduced. So it's just a matter right. of what, what introduced fish do you want to catch. And the whole river also has plenty of largemouth bass, smallmouth bass also introduced. Uh, I think pike are introduced in that river as well. And so most of the fish people are targeting there are also introduced. But they're trying to manage for what they have and not add more to it. And it's a lot of work right. managing fish. Those biologists are working really hard to keep track of everything happening in those waters. Exactly. I mean, there's so much to be said there. One thing we talk about dams and how we want to get rid of a lot of them, especially up in your area, these old colonial dams and such. But there are times where a dam is holding back and invasive. And you've got to have a real debate as if you take that dam out, you know, what you're unleashing up, you know, to go upstream. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, I, argument, I, the argument would be is... Is a walleye more invasive than a bass? <laughs> you know I, mean? well, like, I don't, like, you know, I don't know what we can do. You know, I read yeah. the bassing of New Hampshire and, you know, a lot of the bass and stuff were introduced way back when. And, and, and it was just rich guys having them shipped up from the South and doing this because they want had a fishing club on this lake and they wanted bass in it or whatever. But we don't need this willy nilly John Doe stocking program. The, the, let the people whose job it is do it. They're not always right. They don't always do perfect, but we can't have the chaos of just willy-nilly stocking stuff everywhere all the time, all over the place. Certain fisheries need to be preserved. I mean, this this convenience, you know, give me convenience or give me death, you know, that I just want all the fish right next door. That's dying out, thank goodness. Thank goodness. And, um, you know, we, we want to keep things. We want to keep Silver Lake the way it is. We want to keep Winnipesaukee the way it is. We want, and we know Wally would probably thrive in these lakes. They're clear, full of yellow perch. So, but no. No, let's just not do it. Yeah. Stop being no, a bucket biologist is the takeaway on that one. And it is exactly. it is in some states a class A misdemeanor, which means big fines, loss of license, license for life. So it will wreck your fishing career. <laughs> that's, well, that's your goal. It's true. And, and I don't know what the penalties are in Utah, but it is illegal to move fish there. In Utah, I, I looked it up. It's a class A misdemeanor. Oh, that's what you had it. Okay. Yeah. All yep. right. That's I, what you, I thought you were talking about New Hampshire. I'm sorry. But, uh, no, uh, New Hampshire. It, it's uh, it also is a misdemeanor in New Hampshire. I don't know what class of that. I don't know what that means anyway. But also in New Hampshire, it's a, it's a you'll get a huge fine and for life you will lose your license. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, man, I I like the Utah law. Is uh, I'm looking at it here. It also says aquarium fish. You know, any fish. Don't move plants. Don't move fish. Yeah, just stop it. <laughs> you guys, here we go. I'm beating the drum. I'm beating the drum. But I wanted to bring this up because it was on the, the Facebook group. And no said. Don't do it. Don't do it. Be happy with what you got. Yep. Travel to get what you don't got. And, um, you know, let's just get along with the DNRs as best as we can. 
Uh, I'm not saying you have to agree with them all the time. Yeah, you know, but they're working way, but hard, and they've got biologists. They're working hard. They have, they're using science and data to make decisions. You don't exactly. have to agree with the science and data. It doesn't change what it is, though. So do it. And There's plenty of great fishing. So no there worries. There is plenty of great fishing, and, and widen your mind. Oh, I don't like trout. Well, learn to like trout. What's wrong with trout? You know, learn to like carp. Learn to like this. Learn to like that. Um, you'll be happier in the long run, I guarantee you. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, if you become a species nerd like us, then exactly. all of them are great. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, moving yeah. on. You want to talk about a shark attack? Uh, not really, but I'm going to. Let's do it. I, I kind of want to talk about a shark attack because I, I, you know, I, I learned, I read this article that you sent in. A U.S. tourist from Boston was killed in a shark attack in the Bahamas. I covered this story. I do the news every day here in New Hampshire. I did cover it, and my takeaway from it, she was uh, attacked while on a paddleboard. And I'll let you do yes. the story, but what I've learned, happened in Florida, by the way, uh, what I learned is that um, paddleboarders taste better than most people. That's <laughs> too soon. I, you are so terrible. I can't stand it. That's one reason. I'm, I, I, but of course, I, I, I picked this story not only because I knew you would have some some very shocking jokes to throw into it, but um, um, mainly, you know, what they tell you is that you know, last year there were fifty-seven unprovoked bites around the globe. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the, the way, correction, John. I said Florida. It happened in Bahamas. I don't know why I said. Florida. Yeah, the Bahamas. Yeah. The Bahamas. And um, um, you know, and I, I could see someone on a paddle board. they maybe their feet hanging off, their hands and feet hanging off. That's got to look just like a big seal or a big sure. something to eat. You know, um, because a lot of times we we've had so many great shark people come on this show. Uh, Dr. David and uh, Doc, uh, you know, Dr. Scomall and, mm-hmm. and so on. And, and uh, it's, um, it's fantastic that, to learn these things about sharks. A lot of times they bite stuff because that's the only way they can figure out what it is. You know, right. they don't have hands. They don't God, have imagine a- if you had to figure out what food is by biting everything. Is chair food and bite it? You know, we just yeah, yeah. <laughs> walk into the house and start tasting everything with your teeth. <laughs> right. And, you know, just like they, they talk about you know, all this stuff they find in sharks, it's because they, they see it, you know, dropping down in the ocean or see it. They accidentally suck it up because they just want to see what it is and end up end up carrying it around because they can't digest it. But, uh, you know, the, the guys that, that looked at it, um, Gavin Naylor, uh, program director of the International Shark Attack File in Florida, said, you know, there have been a couple of shark attack fatalities reported in the Bahamas in the past five years. And they can tell, by the way, the person's been attacked, whether it was an accidental exploratory bite or whether they thought it was food. And apparently this poor lady, they thought she was food. So, you know, so she she passed away, unfortunately, uh, got, a, got you know, the, the uh, uh, attack to kill type of bite. But with all the literally billions and billions of people that swim, work around the water, fish commercially, fish for sport, go swimming, go surfing, go this, go that. How many shark attacks a year around the globe do you think there are, Clay? Do you think there's 20? Do you think there's 60? Do you think there's 120? Do you think there's 1,200, 12,000, or 12 million? I bet somewhere near 20. Little about twice that. They say 57 unprovoked bites around the globe mm-hmm. last year. Well, that makes me curious what a provoked bite is. Well, uh, just like there's idiots that try to ride the buffalo in yeah. Yellowstone Park, and there's idiots that try to go up to a, a uh, elk that's nodding its head and pawing the ground because they want a selfie with it, that counts as a provoked bite. Oh, I'll tell you, I saw a YouTube video a couple of years ago of a dude who caught a shark with his family, and he was trying to take the fish hook out of the mouth of the shark, and the shark bit his pinky off as it came off the hook. 
Oh wow! Oh my god! Oh, it was, oh and, my it, god. and it's so vivid, and you can't get that out of your head. And the guy just goes, "Oh f word! I just lost my pinky." I'm like, "Oh my!" And god. he didn't even I... like scream out or anything. He was like, "He was like, just damn it!" <laughs> another, total shock. Like, another like, pinky oh, gun. <laughs> I wasn't done with that. Oh, I was going to use that. I had a ring and everything. So, <laughs> so that would be a provoked <laughs> attack. You know, you're catching a fish yeah. and it bites you. You bit that one first. <laughs> so, right, right. I, yeah, I but can't. they're not that dangerous uh, if you're aware of your environment. And, uh, you know, I don't want to downplay someone who got eaten by a shark or attacked by a shark. It, is, it doesn't make it less sad, but we don't have to have an unnatural fear of shark and go hunting for them just because we're afraid of them, I think, is the takeaway. It is the takeaway, and that's the whole reason I did this article because yep. I don't uh, – want people to be afraid to get out in the water, but, um, you know, you can get shark off jewelry or you can get all these other things. If that'll help you, uh, feel a little more, um, confident in what you're doing, but, uh, mm, you've got, you know, you, you've got <laughs> basically the unlucky lottery level chance of being attacked. I'll you tell know, you just, though, John, have you ever been in a boat with shark circling? I have not. Okay. It's one of those things that no matter how many times it happens, your your heightened sense of awareness, your adrenaline flows. There is a, a deep seated fear uh, <laughs> that I think it's almost a natural fear. You see that, and something happens to you. It's happened to me, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm not afraid of things, but why am I so afraid <laughs> of this? Well, you know, I'm, on, I'm thing, on a boat. Well, yeah, and I mean, you see a striped bass that's the same size, a big, huge, say forty inch striper. You're not going to be worried about it, but like I had a, a diver, a guy very experienced Florida diver, you know, educate me on this when I was a kid. The name was Freddie Archibald. And he was talking about, Oh, you know, one time I was down and I had one come over me that was, you know, well over 12 feet really freaked me out. And I was like, you know, this was during the jaws era. And I was like, ah, big deal. And he's like, Hey, I'm six foot tall. Your dad's six foot tall. Uh, they lay down on the floor and, 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 uh, that's a big fish. Yeah, it's no joke. And, and it's a big fish with a mouthful of teeth. Like, Bunches of teeth. Right. You don't want to be in the water with it. That's for sure. Right. But the idea that, you know, anyway, I would, I would definitely, I'm not going to act like I wouldn't be a nervous wreck no. because I'd be fascinated. Oh, I would sure. be into it uh, because I know people study these and get around sharks all the time and dive with sharks and do all this kind of stuff. But yeah, there is no way no. to have potential death that close to me. <laughs> that I'm just going to be like, so what? Right. Well, that, that little bit of fear of sharks <laughs> might, might be why there might be so few deaths. You, know, you see sharks in the water, you get out. Right, right. <laughs> so, and I'll tell you, when it comes to, I'm going to ask you one more thing, then we can move on. But right. People talk about you know the horrible ways to die just to have something to talk about. I yep. guess I've, I've done it. Everybody's done it. But uh, on my list is, is getting eaten. Oh, eaten by anything. Yes, a lot. Yeah, well, yeah, anything. Would you rather get eaten, you know, quick by a shark or a bear or a tiger or something like that, or would you rather get eaten up by a bunch of bugs or something like that? Oh, well, you know, choosing how I'm getting eaten? Yeah. Uh, I'd rather get eaten by a large animal than a tiny animal because of the amount of time it takes. <laughs> uh, but, but I don't I want to get eaten by anything, John. But yeah, no. And <laughs> I'm not asking if you want to. I don't want to, to, John. Stop making me have to get eaten by things. not fair. If so. the if the if the James Bond villain got let you pick to go into this cage with the the flesh eating beetles or this cage with the sharks, I choose the you're sharks. Gonna, you're gonna do the sharks, okay? Yeah, okay. yeah. But either All way, right. it's gonna be traumatic, and I'm gonna hate it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not gonna be. I, fun, I'm not no. gonna like it, John. Stop trying to make me want this. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move will, on. Let's talk let's about Bass Pro we're, Shops. We're getting, yeah, you got a big getting, story um, here. We're getting wild, and it's time to uh, to uh, move on here. 
this is a great story, and it's been on a lot of outlets. Yeah, and this happens. This story, by the way, you might hear this story come up every year or so because this happens relatively frequently. Yes, well, this is out of uh, Station 6 WBRC in Leeds, Alabama. When I first saw this, I went, Leeds? I didn't know there was Bass Pro Shop in England. That's what I thought, too. (laughs) (laughs) But it's down in Bama. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, yeah. The headline is man strips down and jumps into fish tank at the Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. And by the way, this video has crossed my TikTok's feed. So you can see this dude in the water naked in a tank at Bass Pro Shop. It's, it's crazy. You know, it's full crazy. frontal, man. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't have the confidence right. for full frontal nudity, so I don't do it. But uh, good for him. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> he was noodling, John. Is. He was noodling. He was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so there are things I want to say about this, first of all, is, yeah, no one can leave the darn tank at Bass Pro alone. That's got to drive those folks nuts. People are either trying to get in it, they're trying to fish in it, they're trying to get rid of the evidence in it, uh, they're trying to test lures in it. I never did it, but I, I, maybe not. But anyway, the point is... <laughs> I never got caught. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I... I uh, this story got to me because not only uh, was it another wonderful Bass Pro Tank story, but people knew there was something up when they see this guy stripping down naked in the parking lot. Oh, he, he didn't strip in the store. He came in the he store naked. Yeah, he was stripping in the parking what? lot. Uh, did a couple flexes, got himself ready to go, and then just dashed out of the parking lot, through the doors, over the turnstile, and up the stairs and into the tank. Wow, good for him. <laughs> like i'm just so proud of him like the confidence and like that self that value of yourself you like it, i can do anything i want to do and i want to do is be naked behind glass with a bunch of fish <laughs> yeah, me me too who doesn't you know, we all but, have our dreams know, john we, yeah, have, our we dreams. have our dreams but not you know not a bass pro i, I don't want old ladies and little kids having to see that no uh, no but I, I would swim with the fish wherever they are um yeah. and i would do it naked uh, but it, it's great because <laughs> thank you, John. I love. Yeah, so there's your image for the I'm day. Like, I'm like, oh man, you can't gouge out your mind's eye. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would with a plastic spoon. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Leeds Police Chief Paul Irwin said, you know, he's investigating case, but the guy does suffer from mental issues. He's charged with public lewdness, disorderly contact, <laughs> disorderly context. context. Contact no, with the bass. That's that's the show. Disorderly <laughs> context. Uh, public lewdness, disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, assaulting police officers, criminal mischief, and reckless endangerment. Now, doesn't of, it mischief sound more fun than it is? Like, like when you get charged with mischief, you just feel like oh, he's just just a boy being a boy. Like, yeah, I think, well, that, I think it's a poor language word there. Yeah, I mean, they could change it to two counts of being a jackass. I think that's but, better. But that doesn't sound very law worthy, right? And I love criminal mischief. Yeah, that, that's the thing. But, he, you know, they're going to probably give the guy some exams and, you know, he'll, they'll probably like now they have to charge him first. And then, they, you know, because the chief, you know, he said he said this guy's clearly suffering from some mental health issues and and the family backs him up on that. And and I, I, I am glad to see uh, law enforcement taking a more merciful approach because mental illness is not a crime. Um, and this, you know, while there have been some perfectly cogent people who did it just to be a jackass and try to get on the news and get on TV. Uh, this doesn't appear to be one of them, but right. I you know, normally you see it, people trying to get like the TikTok followers and the, <laughs> yes, I, I guess yes. no joke. I mean, all the people who are, who are casting, it's all on video for a reason because someone's taping it on purpose. Uh, it's all planned. 
So oh yes, yes. Yeah, this but, one doesn't look to be that, but uh, so many of them. Yeah, are. stomach. But of course, someone was there to pull out their cell phone immediately. And, well, welcome uh, to 2024, John. That's welcome what we do. to the new age. Um, but anyway, that uh, is our final news story for tonight. Mm -hmm. I'm in Bass Pro from time to time, and I can just picture the whole thing, getting out of my car, looking over, seeing this bro step out of his car, and just start peeling down. And I'd be going, oh, man, I got to get in there quick. Yeah, exactly. I, I, <laughs> I got to see, gotta see this. this do. Yeah. <laughs> got to see what happens next. Yeah. So. <laughs> All righty. Take us on out of here. Clay. All right. Well, that was fish news. <laughs> All right, moving on, John, on the show here. Now we've got our big interview. It is time to talk about an epic angling quest. We talked about Caden and Chad uh, Hootmacher, and they are from, what is it, Minnesota? Yes, Minnesota. From Minnesota, and they are on an epic angling quest to catch all the kinds of fish that are, that are, um, that are measured by their DNR in their state that can equal record fish. And they've been at it for a, quite a long time. And you set this interview up, and we next, gosh, half hour, 40 minutes, we'll be comparing their epic angling quest with my epic angling quest to catch and eat every kind of freshwater fish in New Hampshire. John, you set this interview up nicely, and I appreciate you doing that. Well, you know, I uh, learned from the best, and if we want interesting guests and follow-ups, which we know people love those follow-ups, if you remember from the original story, Caden's caught 54? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. he had yeah, nine more to go. He's got, there's 63, he's got nine more to go. Anyway, they're, they're amazing, amazing folks, super good folks, and from the great state of Minnesota, one of the best fishing states anywhere. Um, enjoy. Let's go. All righty. This is Crappie Hippie, your tree-hugging redneck, and I am very excited this morning. I am sitting down with Caden and Chad Hootmacher, and Hello. welcome to the show, gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. If you think back to episode and we'll put that in there. Um, <laughs> I did a fish in the news story that I just had to do because I saw about these folks that were doing a challenge to catch all the catchable or the record, the uh, hook and line catchable fish in the great state of Minnesota, one of the greatest fishing places in the world. And uh, since it paralleled our own story uh, about how fish nerds came along, I, and I thought Clay would get a kick out of it, and he did. And so we did that story. But why not follow up? Why not follow up with these guys and let's get some more details and let's hear some more about it because instead of hearing me talk about them, let's let them talk about them. So I'm going to shoot out a few questions here, gentlemen, and uh, Clay, feel free to jump in sure. whenever. I'm just going to ask the question and kind of step back and let you guys jaw it out. And anything you want to add, Dad, you jump in there and I'll jump in there as we see fit. But uh, let's let these two people that are afflicted with the same illness – that are afflicted with the same brand of crazy, uh, yes, talk sir. it over a little bit. So, all right. So, Caden, you know, why and how the decision to create and accomplish a challenge like this, how'd this come about, my friend? You know, we had a couple cabins on like the, the northern border of Canada. You know, we had a cabin in Canada and we fished a lot of walleyes and stuff with our whole family out there. Always went on fishing trips and stayed up there. And my dad's all like, hey, which one do you want to go after next, man? And I'm like, well, why don't we get them all? Mm. So that's when it started at about five or six, you know, we went after all of them. You were five or six years old when you started this quest? Maybe even four or five. Yeah. How old are you now? And 19. You're 19. So you actually were questing the same time as me. So this is back in 2011. 
I went on a quest to catch and eat every kind of freshwater fish in New Hampshire. Similar story. My friend Dave said, hey, Clay, we're not known for anything. You want to do something cool? Let's go, just try to catch every kind of fish in the state. And I said, well, why don't we eat them too? So we did the catch That's and eat, and you're doing, you're doing catch, and you're mounting some of them. What are you doing with the fish when you catch them? Oh, my dad actually gets the blanks and he paints them all. We only have like a handful of probably five of fish that are actually mounted. Oh, so you're doing, tell me about blanks. What does that mean? Uh, they're um, just, just replicas. We release pretty much every fish that we catch. Mm-hmm. And then, but some of the fish are so strange and not well known that finding a, a like a blank that we can paint up to make a replica of is oh. almost impossible. Yeah. That's, but yeah, I got I can a does some of the weird stuff, but it takes a while to get them and then and then paint them up. And all right, well, listen. Every every quest needs parameters and rules, right? On our quest That's... to catch and eat every kind of freshwater fish, first we had to identify which fish we were going to be catching. We identified forty eight species of freshwater fish in New Hampshire that were legally able to be cat, caught and killed because we were eating them as well. How did you pick sure. your fish list, and how many fish are on your list? There's uh, there's the list that we were going off of was <clears throat> there's. 50 or 63 uh, Minnesota fish that have a recognized state record. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was actually a couple other ones, but they like the um, blue catfish. Uh, they, they, they found out the guy cheated on it and then they, cause they've never found one in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So that one was eliminated. So it brought us to 63 mm-hmm. and he's at 54 of the 63. We got nine left to go. The hardest nine, right? Absolutely. Pretty much. There's yeah. a couple that should be easier, but the low-hanging fruit has been picked. Right. That's how it works. That's how it works. When we, got, when we had the 48 species of fish, we were, we were trying to do it all in one year. And the first year, we got 40-something, and then the last seven or eight were the hard catches, and then we still haven't got the 48th one. And that's been now been sure. years and years and years looking for it. So it, it becomes an obsession for you. So tell me about... Your first fish of your quest, how did you decide what to start with? It was just as your five, it's right there anyway. Let's catch that bluegill and go. Yeah. Honestly, it was probably when we were out in Canada yeah. and on the like the Lake of the Woods. Is that we interstate is that water. interstate waters? Um then that, we we were over the border. So then. does that count? Yeah. No, no, not for what we're trying to do. <laughs> and then we moved we moved to Cabotelgoma, which is right on the border. So uh-huh. we were we were in the yeah, the Minnesota. And then I got like I started with a Cisco, and then we got a walleye and a sauger, a saga, you know, the hybrids and stuff. That's where we started. That's how you got going. And what were your quest rules? Like, how did you create your parameters on your quest? I love, I, love, I love creating these kind of instructional stuff for people to understand how to build this quest. You bet. Well, we, we basically, the, like the Minnesota DNR has a program. Um, it's called the Master Angler Program. Mm-hmm. And you guys probably have something similar. Yeah, New Hampshire, uh, where I am, we've got a catch release trophy program. It has about a dozen fish on it. So, okay. much smaller list. We only have 48. I mean, ours, my fish list in New Hampshire is our fish list. Whereas in, where you guys in Minnesota have like, there must be over 200 species of fish out there, but only 63 on your catch list. So, I'm, yeah. yeah. Right. That, that have a recognized date record. Right. Anything that's over. Pound they'll they'll look at for a record. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few fish that we have that don't have a state record that are still part of like a certain species family that we we wanted to catch those too. We've caught a few of those and along with some invasives. Oh, we'll talk about small fish and that's coming. Don't worry. So, what are your rules? You had a hook and line only. What were your? All yep, hundred percent. He has to catch them himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to be in the state of Minnesota, and it's all hook and line. Can't be snagged. It has to. We have to fool the fish and get it to take it in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Tricky stuff. Tricky stuff. I'm sorry, what? 
That's tricky stuff. With our quest, we had to catch him by any any legal means, including creative stuff. Like we could bow hunt for certain species of fish. We could um, we could spear certain pieces of fish. But almost all were, were hook and line. And of course, we sure. were, we were eating them, and we had to keep and eat the first legal example of each one on our quest. So our our yellow perch, one of our early fish in the quest, was only about three inches long, but we still had to eat it. And so, because it was legal, it was a legal fish. So that, that made the quest fun fun for us. What's been the kind of most fun part for your quest fishing? I mean, what, what drives you? You know, honestly, it's just like when we started the book, it was tiny. And then, you know, it was a big, huge flash. And I could tell you every single experience we've had. But it's just the journey we've had, you know, and it's mm-hmm. a never-ending journey. It's always always been going. We've always loved it, you know, and it's just a great thing for my dad and I, my brother, and to show everybody to get out there and do something with life, you know? Right. When people ask me about the quest, I always say it's the same as bird watching. It's, you know, you have all this stuff you want to see, and having a list helps you to focus on what you want to look at. In New Hampshire, we have 48 um, high peaks over 4,000 feet, and people hike this life list of mountains. Well, we're getting our life list, list of fish is what I explain. You guys are active on roughfish.com, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen you on there. And uh, we, when we were doing our quest, that was incredibly helpful for us. Identifying fish is harder than people think. Have you guys mm-hmm. had any trouble identifying anything? Yeah, I, the big trouble, this is a guy that really can just tell you, you know, <laughs> like we catch red horse, a lot of red horse, and those are the ones that are pretty difficult to tell, mm-hmm. at least when we were first catching them. And, you know, I was looking at them like the fins on the top, the dorsal fins, you know, they'll be in or they'll be out. And then the back fins will be like sharper or they'll have like some weird dots, you know, it's he, he really, really knows. And I'm it's incredible. Right. You know? And then and then you learn it by by being around it and you officially become a fish nerd from there. You are by definition, one of us, you are on our team fish nerd. So I'm very excited about it. Actually, I'm going to send you guys uh, my fish nerd logo hats, a couple of them because you've earned them. Uh, awesome. Yes. You, you get, you're going to get that from me in the mail. Once you give me your address first, you know, but uh, sure. it's, it's, it's such a cool nerdy thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about a fish that you're looking for right now. That's really hard for you to find. Uh, there's paddlefish. Paddlefish we've been after like the whole time, you know. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, why? What's hard about it? And first, it of, first is, of all, I don't know what a paddlefish is. I don't live in that kind of water. So, what is a paddlefish, and what's so hard well, about it? Like a huge bill, you know, and they mostly eat like just plants and algae and all that, you know. Nothing mm-hmm. really. They're not predators, so that's. Yeah, I gotta to cut in here. I yeah, got, please, John. I was gonna, I was gonna I yell at you because we have one of the best paddlefish, you know, paddlefish fisheries here in Kansas, the Neosho River. And every now and then a cat fisherman or, or, or sometimes a, a bluegill, you know, some angler will have a paddlefish, uh, suck up their bait, especially trot liners that paddlefish will be swimming along and accidentally suck up a, a bear hook or something off a trot line. How are you guys going to do that? I mean, because it's a, you know, pretty much a hundred percent snagging here in Kansas and Oklahoma on the paddlefish. Well, the other problem is that, well, like the paddlefish, we, we definitely want to see one, but that's not really on the list of the 63 because there is no state record of those. Wow. Um, and it, it's so they're protected in Minnesota and it's illegal to snag in Minnesota. So it's like to, to, to get one, it'd just be dumb luck. I mean, <laughs> yeah, totally dumb luck. Miracle. Yeah. yeah. Miracle. And it's like one of those things our, our deal it's, you know, has to be hooked in the mouth. Well, it seems like with paddlefish, all the guys that I've talked to that catch them. They're like, well, did, did it actually take the bait, or you just got lucky and snagged it in the mouth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we we can forego that question because the hook is in the mouth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would, uh, you know, I, how the, how the heck do I know what happened? Right. Because <laughs> right. it's going to be an accident. I mean, I've heard of, yeah. like I say, the, the trot line thing seems to be, it might be your best bet. Um, I mean, there's two ways like down on uh, grand Lake in Oklahoma, the paddlefish go into these deep holes when it gets cold and they'll troll and, and they'll, they'll hit them that way. But the, the guys on the Neo show, it's a, it's, just full of paddlefish and catfish a lot of guys trot lining there and that's where i've heard of people accidentally getting them with the with the trot lines so sure if that's a legal method for you then maybe may, if that falls within your rules that might be something you yeah. can try john what's a trot line trot line, trot yeah, line. It sounds illegal in new hampshire well it is yeah, a lot of places. <laughs> is it illegal in minnesota yeah Oh well, and never mind. I didn't well, but say what that. is it? What I, is know, it? <laughs> I'm, well, it's it's just you you run a run a line across a creek, and then you hang you, you tie loops in the line, and you you hang. You don't attend it constantly. Yo, you you're supposed to, yeah. yeah. You're supposed to tag it. You're supposed to have your name and address. No, no, but t- you don't attend it. No, no. Yeah. So in New Hampshire, I don't know about Minnesota, but in New Hampshire, it's illegal to fish with unattended lines. You have to be on your line all the time. That's oh, the same well, here. You can't set yeah, it and walk okay. away. Okay. Yeah. Well, so in Nebraska, yeah. they use a lot of trot lining and stuff, though. So I'm, I'm familiar with what you're talking about. Yeah, because that, Nebraska is like Kansas; it's a desperation state. <laughs> <laughs> we got to catch something here. You know, this is this is this is so so dry compared to Minnesota. I mean, you're talking about utopia versus uh, the desolation zone. So uh, we, mm-hmm. we we're a little more open in, in how we allow people to. Uh, harvest so John's stuff. advice is break the law, and then no, don't, no, no, it's not my <laughs> advice to break the law. I did not know. I'm ignorant. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. So yeah. I'm about to get this, well, it, it's gentlemen it, in trouble. John, that brings us to an interesting question is, you know, with, with this kind of quest fishing and catching this many amount of fish, it is easy to get confused on the rules because I don't know about Minnesota, but I'm assuming different fish have different regulations. How do you guys make sure you're getting it right? And what happens when that, you get it wrong? The uh, Well, pretty much we catch and release everything anyway. Yeah. You know, so if, if it is like an accidental, you know, like say a paddlefish, if we were to hook one, we're going to take a picture and release it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really confusing is like with the trout species, because like you're saying, like Southern Minnesota has like a lot of different trout. Um, but some of the creeks, you can be in the same creek and this part of the creek, you can use live bait. This part of the creek, you can't. This part you have to use like barbless hooks. That mm-hmm. makes it really confusing. Yeah. And so we try to talk a lot with like the DNR, you know, about what, what we can and cannot do, what the seasons are, just to make sure we don't get into trouble because that's definitely not what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of the other cool things that we do, like every spot we fish, we spend like the last 10, 15 minutes of our trip, like cleaning up everybody else's trash. Oh, that's sweet. That's great. That is- that's gotten us access to a lot of like private spots and stuff. Mm-hmm. And people are like, what are you doing? Oh, we just like to leave stuff better than what we found it so we don't lose it. You know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you find your fish. Um, in New Hampshire, I'm going to, I'm going to compare your quest to mine. So I'll tell you how I did it. And then you tell me how you did yours. Uh, in New Hampshire, they do river studies and water studies on all the fish in the state. They shock the water, they collect the data, they put it all on a GIS chart, which you can get the, you can get all the numbers from the state. So they sent us the, the data points where every fish in the state lives. So we put that on a Google map and we knew exactly where each species of freshwater fish in the state lived. And so that's how we chose our spots. We cheated as best we could. How do you guys find your fishes? The, what we do is actually really similar. I, I do like most of the research and try to line up, you know, like trips. We Before we were trying to plan it on my job and then his school, 
you know, so it made it made it tough. But you quit your job and he quit school for the quest, and now it's easy. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a van right now down by the, the down river. By the so river. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep going with. Tell us about how you find your fish. <laughs> um, so I do a uh, like a lot of uh, research, like with Google mm-hmm. you know, Earth. You know, to just look for spots that are accessible that we can we can fish publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a boat, but it's like I don't normally like to put it into like the bigger rivers because they're not mapped and whatever. So um, a tiny boat for that. Yes. Yeah, we have a little bitty boat that we use. The um, and then like Minnesota does have a it's called a fish mapper. It's it's real similar to kind of think what you're talking. Um, the problem is, so you it'll have like a map of Minnesota and you'll type in a fish species, and it'll show you all the spots where that fish has appeared. Okay, but the problem is that you'll click on it and say, okay, there was like 40 blue suckers at this spot. Well, but it was done in like 1945. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. comes in is like, okay, well, was it misidentified? Was that actually the fish? Mm-hmm. Uh, or have they died off? You know, then they're just not there anymore. And <clears throat> that's like one of the things that we're working on now is because, so like rough fish has been a huge help, yes. you know, learning to identify and, you know, cause every fish out there, somebody has caught, but nobody's caught all of them, mm-hmm. you know, for like staying in the state of Minnesota. Yeah. So many of those people are very helpful too. Like if we have something we've caught, we have a spot and we have no problem sharing it at all. You know, if you're going to go catch it for your lifeless and so, you know, go do it. And plenty of the people on there too have given us plenty of spots to go and get fish for our lifeless, which is amazing. Yeah. You know? yeah we found and the it's, same it's thing. You know, you're, we're looking for like a high fin carp sucker. That's one of the fish that's still on his list. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a plankton feeder. That's going to be really one of the tough, tough ones. Um, Have you? But the, go ahead. It's it's not like you know, so like sharing spots and helping each other out. As long as they're not like killing them, you know, people are usually pretty open to that because it's not like somebody's going to go catch a hundred high fin carp suckers and hurt their right. population. They're just looking for one, right? You know? Right, and people love those lifeless. Caden, uh, let's talk about the hardest fish on your quest so far to catch, a fish that's giving you the most trouble but you finally got. What's the hardest fish to catch? Honestly, there's there's a handful. There's a lot of them, you know. Oh, you got to narrow down there's to one. Tiger, my tiger muskie, you know, I thought that was going to be a lifetime quest to catch that. But, mm-hmm. you know, those blinky twitcher lures that were on TV a while ago there? Yes. So I, I was using one of those, right? We were on, like, it was – I thought it was – Beers Lake, but I think we were in the middle of cities, like Farmington, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. On this like private lake, this guy was telling us we were going to catch like anywhere from here, you know, a smaller one. We didn't care at all. We were just trying to find one, see one, you know, a tiger muskie. And probably half an hour, twenty casts or less in, and I begged like it was forty-seven or forty-eight inches, I think, a tiger muskie. Oh. Yeah. Only fish we caught that day. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. It wasn't a challenge. You just kind of got lucky. Yeah, it was right. super lucky. Yeah. It was probably amazing. The biggest probably be your eel. Yeah. yeah, that was that took us probably six, seven years to get after. And we just got it a couple months ago. I read that oh, story. Yeah. yeah. American eel, is that what we're talking about? American, American eel. eel. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, so, John, uh, the only eel you have in the United States in freshwater is the American eel. There's no such thing as a freshwater eel in, in the United States. They're all catagmas. They're all born out in the Sargasso Sea. So even in Minnesota, same eel we have in yep. New Hampshire. Yep. Same one as you have in Kansas. Wait, so the shark-headed death eel, that's made up? Where? Yeah. We always worry about that night. Yeah. <laughs> the shark-headed death eel. Oh, yeah. Caden, uh, uh, tell me about catching this eel. How'd you catch him? What'd you do? Honestly, we were with my brother and my dad and I, and we got there about 7, 8 o'clock at night. 
it was on like uh, St. Croix, like border water, uh, like to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And my brother, t- like 10, 15 minutes earlier, actually caught, it was like this big, a flathead catfish. You can't say this big time. on an audio show. How big was it? Oh, it was like, <laughs> I can't. Give us, no, no. We, it's, it's, we're doing about audio, Caden. <laughs> it looks like he's indicating 18 inches. 18 inches, 25 inches. The eel, the eel was probably about 30 inches, 35 30 inches. inches. But the catfish he caught, that's one that was on my list too. And I wouldn't mind catching that. But that was probably like, 15 inches or less. Nice. It was just so crazy, you know? And then 20 minutes later, I was not expecting it at all. And here, he's going to go get my I got to stop that dog. Sorry about right, that. Okay, we're going to pause well, here for We'll edit here. Don't, give, give us a silence for a second, and we'll move on to edit. It's either because the, the dog's given moral support or he's, he's <laughs> catching Caden in a lie. So he's like, oh, my. <laughs> he's like saying, I hear what you're saying in there, guys. Caden, well, we're going to edit this part with the dog out yeah. anyway. So no worries. You're doing a great job, right. by the way. Hey, you guys, thank you very much. I yeah. appreciate you letting us on here. It's amazing. It's a, really a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, it's the same quest I went on. So I'm, I am, we're like brothers almost. And, yeah, so, for real. That's amazing, man. Yeah. I've never met nobody else that's been trying to do the same thing. Well, I'm one honestly. fish. I'm one fish away. We're going to talk, this part we're heading out, but we're going to talk about that one fish I've got to catch. I bet you caught it. So. Oh, I wonder, what? man. That's crazy. I'm going to yeah. grab a water real quick. Go ahead. Just we'll take, it, a, take a second. Ahead. Take a second. Did you put your dog down? I did. <laughs> I told him he was funny looking. He doesn't brush his hair. <laughs> That's the good kind of putting him down. Caden's doing oh, a great wait. job. <laughs> Can you do something with them, please? Yeah. Oh, wow. Everybody's excited to be on yeah. Fish Nerds this morning. We're going to edit all right. this out anyway. Don't worry. We'll clean this up. <laughs> we can do it. Okay. We back? Yep. All right. So, Caden, I asked you earlier what your hardest fish to catch was. My hardest fish was also my smallest fish, so uh, which was a northern red-bellied dace, which maxes. Okay. So their max length on those fish is maybe two inches, and uh, the one I caught was an inch and a half long, and I had to drive t- through three hours away to a private farm pond where they lived. I had to knock on someone's door and get permission, and it took me four three-hour trips to that spot to catch them <laughs> because I had a hook and line rule. I wasn't allowed to net them. I would have got them all right away if I netted them. And I didn't have any hooks small enough to hook them properly because they were so small. So I took a number 32 hook, which you, is the smallest hook you can find. It's, small, it's, like, it's like the 12-point font letter J, maybe a little smaller than that. And I tied a, and I, sorry, I glued a white piece of thread to it, and I put it on a fly rod, and I cast it out. And this whole school of, of these days were chasing it in. And one of them bit the string enough for me to get it out of the water, and then it dropped into a net. So I counted it, and I ate it. So awesome. did you fillet it? Did you fillet it? No, you I I I, I took a little tiny pair of scissors and I gutted it and I breaded it and fried it and ate it in one bite. So gone. That's awesome. Kind of like okay. smell. Yeah, kind of like smell, and it tastes good. <laughs> so that was my hardest fish. That's that's like fifteen hours of driving, and in hours and hours of trying to figure out how to get that thing to bite on that string and, mm-hmm. and get out of the water. We had a lot of bite the string, but getting them to come out of the water was the hard part. And I just lied. I didn't, I didn't eat it myself. I had a partner in the quest, Dave. We split it, so we each ate half of it. <laughs> so that was one of our quest rules. We can catch the fish on our own, but we had to eat. We had to both eat the fish together. So. Oh, my. I bet it was pretty satisfying, though. Huh? Uh, it, was, it was satisfying, and uh, it was a lot of fun, too. So, Kate, now I want to hear about your smallest fish on your quest. Mm, honestly? 
we have like a golden shiner that was one of the smaller ones, but a gizzard shad. Oh, we have gizzard we shads, were, yeah. We were yeah. on this king's plant. It was actually it was probably like twenty degrees or less, and the water coming out of the king's plant was like eighty or ninety degrees. You could have jumped in it if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And these gizzard shad, they were like this. We had schools and schools. That being three inches, four inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. three inches, four inches. Sorry about that. Yeah. And couldn't really tell what they were. Couldn't really figure out how to get them. And then finally, after a while, we used like what was it, little flies and maybe a little like a little tiny green trout fly. Yeah, Simple. and then there were a few of them. It's but. fun, isn't it? Even catching little fish. Now you don't have the tiny fish on your quest because you're not. They're not being measured for um, state record. state records, so you're not having those on your list. Um, I, I, ima- I imagine, though, as you get going on this list, you might decide to go for more species because it's addictive. Have you experimented yeah. with micro fishing? We Absolutely. we have, yeah. yeah. With the like those like little uh, what are the tiny little hooks you get from Japan? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, or you can you can get tiny hooks from the fly shop as well. The thirty twos, twenty sixes, all would count as micro fishing. But those Japan ones are really cool because they're snelled, and you can easily get yeah. them on your line, which is great. So I feel yeah, because like I can't see them good enough to uh, be able to ever tie one on. No, that's right. why you can, that's why we glue them on. <laughs> sure, that's smart. That's super smart. Yeah, because you're that's catching like tiny we, fish. We have kind of started messing with microfishing. It's just you know when we drive you know four or five hours, and that's like the last fish in that area, um, and you get to a spot, and they're obviously not there. Yes. Well, so like we've already driven. So then we'll just mess around. It's like, well, let's let's just see what else is here. You yeah, know? flip some rocks yeah. and see what swims out from under it and have some exactly. fun. Exactly. That's what I'm always doing when we're fishing, you know, yeah. trying to catch all the minnows too. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. That's I mean, awesome. to me, and, and having a quest, the size of fish matters less than the species of fish. Uh, yeah, and for me, that's what's it. exciting. And you become less focused on catching the biggest fish or the strongest fish and you catch that, that, that variety of fishes. Um, how does this impact you fishing with your friends? Because it sure changed how my friends fish with me. Absolutely. Same here, man. Honestly, when I was a little younger, we would just go across the road from my house here and try and catch anything like, you know, sunfish, bass, occasionally walleye, you know, but after the journey started, like I have my closest friends will love to come on fishing trips with me now, you know, go and catch catfish or try and go catch some of these bizarre fish that we're going after. And they love it every time, you know, it was amazing. Cause it's something new and it's not like, you know, bass fishermen are hardcore bass fishermen. We all know those trout guys or hardcore trout guys, but um, species nerds like you guys are hardcore variety guys. You want everything and you find every fish attractive, which is, which is great. So kudos to you. I, I this my, you guys are my people. You know, my people, I'm so excited to talk you to you. You share the same brand of crazy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll tell you, I got a question for both. Um, triumph and tragedy. Okay. Um, I kind of have a good idea what Clay and Dave's triumph was, but which pick one, Caden, and tell me which one first. Triumph or tragedy. Tell me about a fish that you almost got in or one that dropped off right before. Well, anyway, you tell me. What's your triumph? What's oh, your tragedy? Okay. You know, I, I actually, just a few years back, a couple years back, I caught the, the short-nosed gar, the state record short-nosed gar. I broke it after 33 years. And actually about 10, 15 minutes earlier, and actually cut back like an hour or two earlier, we were trying to catch white crappies too on the same little boat. And I actually snapped my uh, St. Croix rod in half. Oh. And I got super mad. Super Ouch. mad about it. Yeah, and we were just trying to catch the white crappies. We actually saw <laughs> That sounds... That sounds like fishing to me. Oh, it was sad. I yeah, and then there was like a couple floating because of the net, you know, the commercial netting and all that. So we decided to pack up and go. We went to the other the other lake, and that's where I actually hooked one. I hooked onto a short nose gar that might have been even like 
shy or just a little bigger than the other one. But then I hooked on with, it was a, a like a micro rod, you know, it wasn't very big, like an ultralight rod and probably four pound test on it. And I caught my gar, my short, short nose gar. That's the one that he broke the state record on. Yeah. I can actually grab it. Like, they can't, they can't, it's not on, it's just on. Oh, anyway. I got you. Oh yeah. True that. <laughs> but, We're making a podcast, yeah. but you can see, you know, Caden, send us a picture um, through email yeah. and we'll add it to the show notes. so People can take a look at this thing. So awesome. yeah, it's going to be sure. awesome. Um, our, our, um, our, our big triumph was the channel catfish I thought so. in New Hampshire. We took us a long time to find it. They're new to the state. And Dave and I went out looking for this in the southwestern corner of the state, the only place that exists. It's a three-hour drive from each of our houses. And we fished with chicken livers on a hook. No weights, nothing fancy, just chicken livers mm-hmm. on a hook. Um, I caught a bunch of yellow bullheads and brown bullheads at first. We were about to give up. And Dave got a big tug on his line. He's fighting this fish in. And shelling catfish. I got the net under it. We landed it. And we scaled it, and it happened to be the state records. We ended that was wow. that was our forty seventh fish on the on the forty eight fish list, and the last one we caught in the quest, and it happened to be the state record channel catfish, That's breaking insane. it by almost yeah. two pounds. And since then, the record's been broken. But it was fun to be part of that, and uh, really hard to get a record certified. Now you aren't killing your fish, but for state records in New Hampshire, you have to kill the fish. What about Minnesota? That was the same. Yeah, the 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 short nose we had to bring it in because it's the same thing. The, Minnesota started, uh, you know, like a catch and release record. Yeah, we have measurements. Yep, but it's only for like I think like six or seven species, like bass and walleye yeah. and northern. None of the none of the otter stuff. Yeah, we have catch and release uh, trophy program, but you can't get a state record without killing it, which I think is yep. uh, shameful. <laughs> Let's find it the is. biggest best yeah. fish in the population. Celebrate it by killing it. <laughs> it's a terrible. Wait, idea. Exactly. Yeah. Did you have to eat your catfish then? We did eat our catfish. Yes. There great. you go. <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we ate them all. Um, I was, you know, if you're curious, um, you probably are. It was everyone always asks what's the worst tasting and best tasting fish we ate in the state? So, yeah. you want to know? Oh, sure. Definitely. All right. The worst tasting fish in New Hampshire was a slimy sculpin. And, oh, I can believe it. Yeah, we ate that on on uh, public radio. We made uh, we don't we're not chefs, so we use alliteration as our recipe. So I made slimy sculp and scampi. So it tasted like garlic and and pasta and snot. So <laughs> yeah, and then and then and then the same day, also at NPR, we ate the uh, we ate cheesy walleye cheeks. So we took the cheese out, cheeks out of the walleye, fried them up with broccoli and melted cheese, and ate those. And you know, walleye cheeks are the best part of the fish, anyway. So walleye cheeks are, are definitely the so best. good, really. so good. So that's best and worst. Same day fish for us. So we cleanse our palate with something good. You guys have gotten lots and lots of media attention, uh, most recently on the Fish Nerds podcast. How has that been for you? How much fun is that for you? Is a blessing, man. Honestly, like I would not, I was not expecting any of this on a journey. You know, I just, I thought I was going to be discreet, just my dad and I, and you know, just tell people all about it. And then, you know, soon to be, I turned 18 and it was like 10, 15 different news stations and like news articles and stuff. And I was like mind blown, you know, I was like, I'd never, ever imagined being here in life, you know. It's wild, isn't it? Now, are you, are you uh, getting our fishing companies mailing your free stuff? They uh, have, they have yeah. before, a few yeah. different things, but yeah, absolutely they have. It's it's wild, I, yeah. I I used to I, I grew up with my dad. Uh, you know, f- we actually fished the the professional walleye tournament and stuff together, the pro walleye circuit. And this, like, I, I 
it was kind of like you were talking with like the hardcore bass guys. If, if you, if you keep fishing the same thing over and over and over again, I just kind of got burnt out on that specific fish. It's like, oh, let's go try other stuff. Sure. And I've, and I've learned, you know, so much more with fishing with Caden, you know, like for the different fish and stuff. And some of these fish are so much harder to catch, you know, than, than walleyes or bass or anything else. That's what makes it more of a challenge. Right. Most game fish are pretty easy. That's why we go for them. Bass are kid stuff. I mean, exactly. are you kidding me? Yeah. Go catch some of those rough fish. <laughs> you know, that, that can be yeah. a lot harder. Suckers to me are harder to catch than most game fish. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, hearing I would agree. I think the patience is the biggest thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And the t- determination, you know, you got to be able to s- sit there in the cold or sit there under the bridge for an hour or two, a couple times a day, you know, like even if you have to, you know, sure. either you go there you get it, or you go there like a few times in a week and you don't, you know. Oh, yeah. It's that drive. Tell me about, uh, do you ice fish? Is that one of your techniques? Yeah. 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 That's, just- the, that's the time of the season where you can actually you can put tip ups out and stuff like that. Only sure. one tip up per person, though. That's all you're we can two lines then otherwise the rest of the season you can only use one line yeah mm-hmm. it depends on our on our lakes in new hampshire some are five five traps plus a jigging line and then our, our lake trout and burbot lakes it's you can have two lines total so it can be two traps or two jigging lines or any combination and you could put in set lines overnight for burbot or cusk i don't know what you call them out there you burbot burbot yeah did, did you catch one in yeah, oh yeah, we yeah, we we do we do an annual. Uh, tell me you those. tell me you ate that one at least. Oh yeah, yeah. Those okay, are, those I knew are it. <laughs> Old man's lobster. Yeah, yeah I knew it. You can't not eat those. That's that's a rule. <laughs> um, we're gonna wrap this in just a minute, John. You're gonna wrap up some questions here. Well, some I'm fast paced. You you keep talking about this Dave guy, and is that Davy Jones that used to sing for the monkeys? You're talking to me, John. That- yeah, I'm talking to you, man, because you keep mentioning somebody yeah. that nobody knows who it is. I should clarify. Yeah. Let me let me guess. I think so, you so, should clarify. So just like Caden has his Chad, his dad, uh, <laughs> having your partner in a quest makes a big difference. So when the Fish Nerds first started off, it was a quest project. It was a book project. Dave and Clay's quest to catch and eat every kind of freshwater fish in New Hampshire. It was called Catch Em All. Not Pokemon, but it just worked for us. We, <laughs> the domain was available, so we got it. Uh, and we failed at writing our book. And that's where the podcast came from. Our, our, we had an agent in New York City trying to sell our book, and he wasn't selling it. And he goes, have you thought about making a podcast? And that night, we switched our name from Catch Em All to Fish Nerds, which magically mm-hmm. domain was available, launched the Fish Nerds podcast, and then forgot about the book project. It's still sitting on our hard drives, waiting to be wow. published one day. So um, I, what are you going to do with your fame, Caden? Ch- uh, <laughs> Clay! And your partner uh-huh. in all this was named... Oh, Dave Kelly. Dave Dave what? Dave Kellum. He died. <laughs> he did not die. <laughs> well, he used to be on the podcast. He quit. And if you quit this podcast, you're dead to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're still very good friends. I'm just kidding. But, Caden, uh, Chad, I want to hear from you uh, your big plans for, for, with, your, with your fame and fortune from this fishing quest. Because everyone gets rich on a fishing quest. Well, As you know. one, of, one of our biggest things is, is when we were doing like the research, you know, to try and find these different fish. I mean, there's like hundreds of articles out there to fish for crappies or fish for bass or fish for walleyes, but there's really nothing on like an American eel or a blue sucker or, you know, a quillback. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, we, my, my, his older brother, my oldest son, um, actually started a, his YouTube channel. He's got a lot of different stuff. It's not just fishing, but we are looking at Caden's book and it's like, you know what? we should go back and like redo the book, but we're going to film every species 
and 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 kind of make it so that it's a uh, like a library, you know, for people that are kind of trying to do the same thing. It's like, well, I want to go catch a, you know, a smallmouth bass or a white crappie. Well, like, here's how you do it. Um, and then we also we travel. Uh, like we just did a video here a couple of years ago. We went to Arizona, mm-hmm. and the three of us went up and filmed it, and we caught a Gila trout, which is probably one of the rarest trouts in in the U.S. Um, we all caught those, and then we just got back from in September catching one of our all of our bucket list fish. We we fished for uh, white sturgeon, mm-hmm. those, we, those big giants up on the Fraser River, and we we all end up catching just monster fish there too. But we had a whole work week, fifty hours there and back in the truck, and we each got one actually within the first the one. Day. Yeah, that's that's kind of we, we drove for you know twenty five hours, fifteen hundred miles one way to fish for you know eight hours, and then turn around and drive right back again. Mm-hmm. But, but it worked. <laughs> I, I love you guys. You're, you're so hardcore, man. That That's what I like. That is what I like. That is what I love. I tell you, we're just, you know, it is, it is awesome to hear about that. That is so fantastic. Um, and then his, his, his YouTube channel, it's what's things Chris does. That's the YouTube um, so things really, Chris does. Things Chris does. All right, yeah. we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. Things Chris does. Okay. And we'll share that awesome. on the fish nerds, yeah. Facebook pages and groups as well. So, and then we make sure, and like I was talking about, we film us, you know, me. cleaning sure. up the, uh, you know, like the fishing areas and stuff and why we do it. Um, we do a lot of shout outs to like rough fish because they do some same thing. Some of the species derbies where you, you got to pick up some trash or whatever while you're fishing. Um, I guess and we try to gear everything a lot more towards like kids, mm-hmm. you know, cool. because the Minnesota, we're so blessed. There's so many lakes and rivers and stuff. You know, see, it's, fishing is one of those things you don't have to, you don't have to have an $80,000 bass boat to go fish. You can, you can have a $10 rod and, and a $3 thing of night crawlers and go catch something. You know, so our thing is, you know, get them off the Xbox and into the tackle box. Hey, I love you know? that. I love that. And I love the the idea of, of your films and, and the rough fishing because a lot of people think drum and quillbacks and whatever. Oh, I catch those when I'm fishing for bass. You know, they're easy to catch. It's like target them. Go out and target a drum. Go out and target a quillback. Come back and tell me how easy it is to catch when you're trying to do it on purpose. Exactly. Found that that out about Gar this summer, and and my friend Jeff and I, we we beat our brains out all summer long. We finally unlocked it toward the end of summer. Very gratifying. But, yeah, there is plenty of room to become an expert in bowfin, um, suckers, uh, carp, you know, all, a lot of it. Yeah. Right. I think, I think oh, yeah. your, your ideas are, are admirable and, uh, forward thinking for sure. On that. All right. We got to wrap this up, uh, but Caden and Chad, I think you'll find if you leave Minnesota, head out to the ocean and take those skills you've learned catching all those fishes in freshwater, you're going to be a great saltwater fisher. You're going to outfish people without even trying because, because the variety of techniques you have. Most people have, have two or three techniques. You guys have all the techniques. So congratulations you. on your quest. Um, we, we might cycle back to you guys, have you on a guest again. I could do this all day, but I don't, think, I don't know if our listeners can take it. So <laughs> we're going to wrap it up here. Any final thoughts, Caden and Chad? Honestly, I'm like mind blown. I could not thank you guys enough. Like God bless you guys. Oh, well, thanks, Caden. Appreciate that. Amazing. Yeah, we, we appreciate the show and uh, the opportunity and stuff. And I said, the that's like really the, the, what we started to do and was trying to promote that, like that YouTube thing. And then now we're actually going to start giving stuff away back to like our subscribers and stuff. Mm-hmm. We're building a, our first fish house that we're going to be giving away. Oh, nice. It, wow. It's like, I'm not a huge fan of the cold, mm-hmm. but I love fishing. So if you live in Minnesota, that's pretty much your only option. Yeah. You know? right. now, by, by the, how, the, how was your winter there so far this year? New Hampshire, we're not on the ice yet. 
because we had a it's stupid warm year. Been, so yeah, it's cold? Like cold. Great. Well, it's been it's been warm <laughs> enough where the, the the lakes have froze up, but they actually opened back up. There was people out in boats and stuff on Christmas, and usually we're driving trucks on the ice by now. Right. Yeah. So are we. Really, really strange. And there's no snow to snowboard on or nothing. I know, and you love right. snowboarding, don't you, Caden? Absolutely, here in, I love it. Here man. in New Hampshire right now, they're snowboarding on these little strips of man-made snow down the middle of the mountain, and there's like barren wasteland everywhere else. So it's terrible. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. All right. Well, listen. Delta ice on the cooler. Yeah. Let's wrap it there. Tell us again, Caden, the name of your YouTube channel. It's my big brother. We got like, it's things Chris does. Things Chris does on YouTube. So yes, go sir. there, subscribe, interact with it, make comments. That's how it gets more popular. The more interaction you have, the more Google juice it gets. So get in there, help them out. Uh, let's get Caden and Chad's YouTube rocket and rolling. And we'll put the links in the show notes. Caden and Chad, we really appreciate your time. John, were you here today? I'm sorry, what? Are you here today, John? I'm here today. I'm like, hey, just I'm, hanging out. I'm just hanging out. I like. I, I actually, I've I've lapsed into listener mode. I'm already, uh, uh, you know, I'm already just listening to this, going, wow, yeah. You know, but you guys are on a roll, man. There's no reason for me to cut in except to say thank you, gentlemen. It took us a little bit of uh, time and some, uh, but you've been so open to the communication. You guys are easy to communicate with. Um, they're wonderful guests. Appreciate having you on. Uh, this has worked out just like corn through a goose for me. Yeah, I will a, tell you, John, I've been inspired just now. I was my wife, my wife was trying to inspire me last week, but uh, the Fish Nerds have this book in a hard drive waiting to hit publish. And so I think my goal now is by March to get the Fish Nerds Quest book finally into paperback form on the internet and available for people. So uh, I would love to get a copy of it when you do, man. Well, that, me that, too. Awesome. <laughs> it's all written. I just need to edit a little bit and put it out there. So, um, yeah, it's been sitting on a hard drive for years. So I think now I got to get it out there because I feel like if, if I don't, you guys are going to beat me to my punch and I got to get out there before you guys do. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. Yeah. I'm a product to the local school system. You know, for, I can't read or write anyway. Oh, perfect. So, so am I. <laughs> I, 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 I do videos. I talk and read good. All right. Well, boys, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the Fish Nerds podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. And we got to wrap it up here. We're going to hang up on you now. Uh, well, John, that was fantastic. I'll be sending some hats off to those boys. Uh, their YouTube channel is uh, Things Chris Does on YouTube. There's a link in the show notes. So if you want to check that out and see what they're up to, you can follow along right on the YouTubes. But they'll be making the news and hopefully come back on the Fish Nerds podcast when they complete that epic angling quest well no i want to i want them to get back on the show too because it'll be great when they finally do their quest and i think we're going to have a couple of new listeners and a couple of fans because they are super nice they are super nice and then they are <laughs> delicious but, but they're also super nice they've invited us both to come fishing anytime door open um and we will definitely be getting back in touch with them checking in with them from time to time because we have made some new friends here so that's very very cool and it was just great for me to uh, you know listen to you compare your quest to theirs and and you you know i'm i'm not in this i brought the ball i brought the soccer ball to the field but i mostly let y'all kick it around because you know uh, that's why i'm not in it a lot because i wanted to sit and listen to you guys shoot the bull shoot the breeze about uh your quests and it was too much fun. So I hope y'all enjoyed it. Uh, we enjoyed making it for you. It was a bit of work, but not when you're working, you know, when you're going after guests like this and there's such cool people, it's really a labor of love. So yep. there you go. I think we've done, done it. We did it, John. So uh, that's it. You've been listening to a couple of fish nerds, a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. 
Who are we thanking today, John? Oh, we got to thank Wally Pleasant for our theme song. And, of course, Diana's Bath Salts for the Fish in the News theme. And we most of all wanted to thank Caden and Chad Hootmarker for coming on the show and filling us in on their quest and listening to Clay compare his and, and having some fun with us. And, of course, our w- wonderful families that put up with this craziness. But most of all, you, the listeners, we love you all. You come bringing your ears right on in here and we let us fill them up with fish stuff. And mm-hmm. you do it a couple times a month and we sure appreciate it. So you yep. are number one on our list of favorites. And John, we need to quadruple our listener base this year. That's the goal for 2024. And the best way to do that is if you're listening to the show and you enjoyed it, please share this show with your friends and get those numbers up. If we can get to four times our listener base, we could be profitable as a show and sustain this for a long, long time. So if you like it, share it. That's easy as that. So John, until next time. Follow the code of the fish nerd. Spawn early, early and often. <laughs> and never trust a free lunch with strings attached. We did and it, John. Swim a- <laughs> and swim against the current every chance you get. You know, you think after like 11 years of this, I might know the code of the fish nerds. <laughs> I usually write it down. <laughs> All right, John. Thank you so much. Thank you, Clay. This has been fun as always. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Just for the halibut! Fry it in a basket or broiled in a pan, eat it raw like you're in Siam, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds. It's a podcast.